Hello, welcome to the West Side Podcast. This is where we'll post some of our audio from our sermons on Sunday, and we're so glad that you're here. West Side's vision is to reconcile people to God through the grace of Jesus step by step. We hope you enjoy, and thanks for tuning in. I, I like to say that I'm the host of Zero Podcast, but if I was uh, if I was the host of a podcast, Birds and Bible, that might be it. I was outside all day yesterday at the coast. The coast was beautiful. I was looking at birds the whole day, obviously, um, and because of that, it was it, well, it was rather cold, and because of that, I woke up this morning sounding more like the host of a late night, like, slow jazz radio show, so welcome to 93.5. So, hopefully, uh, I imagine there's just gonna, there's gonna be a squeak at some point in the next, like, 30, 35 minutes, and we're just, we're gonna, I just want you to be ready for that, and I'm gonna try to be ready for that, okay? Cool. Uh, It's great to be back here this morning, Westside. Um, I, I hope you all have a wonderful Advent. Sermon on the Mount is about Christian counterculture, living subversively in the things that Jesus calls us to. And what better season to practice that than Advent? Everything, everybody around us shifts up a gear into a frantic, frenzied, like, oh, is everything ready? Is all, are all the things, have I been to all the stuff? Have I seen all the people? Have I... Advent is shifting down. It's going back to the beginning. It's remembering time and time again, moment and moment again, and all of the little things and all of the big things that God took on flesh. That God came and got dirt under his nails so he could be with us, so he could know us, so he could save us. Uh, so I, I just hope that Advent, um, I hope that Sermon on the Mount informs and, and forms your, uh, your Advent coming up here in these next months. Um, you got a great lineup. I'm, I'm excited to, to hear how that all goes for you. But it's, been, it's just been so good being here with you. And today we are in Matthew Seven, the, the third and final chapter of the Sermon on the Mount. I hope that as we go through the chapter again, just in case you haven't been here, my, my style is sort of like nose in the text quite a bit. I, I don't have a whole lot to say worthwhile that is outside of what Jesus himself was saying, so I don't ever want to depart too far from that. So we're going to spend a lot of time just kind of working through this chapter this morning, and I hope that as we do, if you've been here the last couple weeks, or if you're familiar at all with the Sermon on the Mount, you start to hear some repeated themes. Uh, Matthew 7 is a little bit interesting, and it's a good reminder that we, when it comes to the details of like how the Sermon on the Mount was formed, there's a lot that we don't know uh, in terms of like timing and, and all of that. Um, and some have seen this particular grouping of teachings as being sort of disconnected and therefore uh, maybe coming at, at different times. Uh, but I, I'm going to push us towards seeing a common theme, a common thread that actually ties all these together. So whether they happened back to back or were at, happened at disparate times, Matthew put them all together here in Matthew chapter 7 for a reason. 
And I think the thread that ties each of these things together is that of discernment. Learning to discern well between obvious things that are right and wrong, but also more subtle things. It's a call to wisdom, but discernment is the way that we get wisdom into action in our lives. We get head knowledge, understanding, and convert that into love. How do we do that? We do that through discernment. Discernment takes time to cultivate. Discernment doesn't happen overnight. It comes with life experience. It comes with learning well from others and learning well from Jesus. The more time we give to discernment, the more freedom we will find in our lives. And I, I think this passage invites us into some of that freedom. Some of, if we were to use language of the Beatitudes, some of the blessing that Jesus wants for us. Um, discernment in a number of areas. The first is discernment in our posture towards others. Matthew 7, look at the first five verses here with me. Do not judge or you too will be judged. Who's ever said that one after feeling judged by somebody? Do not judge or you too will be judged. Or maybe the more familiar uh, King James, uh, judge not lest ye be judged. That's what we're a little more used to. That's where this comes from. But we're in NIV days. Uh, For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? I love that Jesus goes like very, very big on this illustration. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Insert your favorite large tree. Right? I assume, I'm an outdoor person, I assume everybody just kind of walks around with like a, a top three rank of like favorite large trees in their lives, but maybe you don't. Let's just say California redwood. Imagine a California redwood just coming straight out your eye, and you're supposed to walk up and try to take a little piece of like bark out of somebody else's eye. What is inevitably going to happen? You're going to knock them over with the big old tree that is in your own eye. Jesus is saying, if you don't deal with your own stuff first and you get all up in other people's stuff, you're going to hurt somebody. You're going to hurt someone. Probably yourself, too. Learn, learn to deal with your own thing first. This is as important of a metric as we could possibly have, right? Our posture towards others. I hope that you hear in this verse a theme that we've seen in Matthew 5 and in Matthew 6. In Matthew 5, we heard it in the Beatitudes. Blessed are the merciful, for they are the ones who will receive mercy. It's only a person who's cultivated a merciful heart over time that can even begin to understand what it's like to receive mercy. You've got to extend what you expect to receive. And then in the Lord's Prayer, we heard, 
You've got to forgive in order to be forgiven. And now we get the opposite side, the other side of that coin. Because if you're not merciful and you're not forgiving, not only will you not understand how to receive mercy or how to receive forgiveness, you'll become a judgmental person. You'll become a person who is increasingly skeptical of others. And this is such an important metric for where we are in our walk with, with Jesus. If over time, think back to a year ago, think back to five years ago, think back to 10 years ago, if in that period of time you've become more skeptical of others, more interested in your own intentions and, and very unsure of others, if you are quick to point out the faults in others and cover up, excuse away your own, these are all signs that we, we're growing a plank. We're growing a plank in our own eye. We use so many faulty, phony metrics for determining whether or not we are walking with Jesus, whether we, can, whether we hold this right opinion or this set of doctrines, whether we can win that argument or wh- whatever it might be. This is the true metric. What is your posture towards others? If over time you are not growing in, in a softness towards others, in a mercy, in a love, in a posture of deference to others, then you have missed the way of Jesus at some point. Spiritual formation and the things that Jesus is calling you to, this is it. If Jesus is working in your life and you are allowing, you and I are letting him in, our posture to others, towards others over time, will grow softer and softer. It's not that we don't care about truth. I'm not saying that at all. Jesus is not saying that at all. Jesus comes on the scene and John says, he was full of grace and truth. Full of, not half and half. Full of both. It's not saying we don't care about truth. We care deeply about truth. But how do you care about truth? How do you care about others while caring about truth? It's... It's interesting to me that uh, this is an area where we can obviously society kind of like coming off the rails, right? Our increasingly judgmental attitudes towards others. I think we could all point to areas of society where it's like, oh yeah, that those that group is judgmental towards that group and whatnot. What what is mind-boggling to me is for us as Christians, for Christians to stand back and and say, well, why is culture not progressing when we're the ones not putting the work in? How could we expect society to progress in a way that we aren't willing to progress in ourselves? Right? Well, they are extra judgmental. Well, it sounds like you are extra judgmental. <laughs> okay. Discernment in our posture towards others. There's a funny little verse here at the end that goes in the other direction. Verse 6. Do not give to dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. Don't throw your pearls before swine. That's where this comes from. This is where that comes from. If you do, they may trample them under their feet, turn and tear you to pieces. At this time, dogs and pigs were the the feral, run-in-the-street sort of Animals and the, the picture is one of somebody with pearls in their pocket. They they dig in their pocket for a little bit, and the the dogs and the, and the pigs around start to get excited because they think it's going to be food. And you toss the pearls out into the muddy alleyway, and all the the pigs and the dogs come in and 
eat it, eat it up and then realize they, this is not something we can eat up and they spit it back out and, and what do they do? They get mad. They get mad at the person who threw the pearls. And they come, it's not, it's not a terribly pretty picture. Neither is like a plank in your eye, by the way. Um, but I, I think there's a, an interesting point to be made here. The pearls before swine or um, think of treasured truths before those who might not yet be ready for them. Think of, think of if you've been walking with Jesus for a while, think of those like special moments that you've had with God over, over the years. Some of those intimate like, things that God has done in your life. That might not be the best place to start from an apologetic standpoint. That might not be the best place. Sharing that from your life might not be the best place to start when it comes to trying to talk to somebody about what it is to walk with Jesus. We get a whole lot of Jesus saying, here's what's most important, caring for the least of these, love your neighbor, love yourself. Start with that stuff. Sometimes there's just some discernment that ought to, ought to come into the way that we think about these things. Discernment, ultimately, in our posture towards others. And then comes discernment in prayer. I love this passage. Verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. The one who knocks the door will be opened. I love that it's not just ask. And that it's not just seek. It's not just knock. This is not like a one-time, like, put my request in with God and see what happens. No, it's ask and seek and knock. Pound on the door of heaven. Jesus expects and wants and likes relentless prayers, relentless askers. But there's, a, there's a distinctly American way to read this passage, though, right? Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, it will be answered. The, the knee-jerk American way of, of reading that passage is, oh, so I can ask for stuff, and God will give me stuff? Things? I've been wanting X, Y, and Z. I'm not sure if anybody in my life understands how much I want X, Y, and Z as we come into the holiday season. I'm not sure it's on anybody's list. But we know from the context of the broader Sermon on the Mount, obviously, we're not talking about that. We just got a big dose of warning in Matthew 6. Like, be really careful about accumulating stuff. That's going to do stuff to your heart that is not good. That's going to send you in the opposite direction of being formed in the faithfulness of Jesus. I, I like to, to think of this ask, seek, and knock in the context of Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord. Not get hung up on fleeting pleasures, and he will give No. Delight. Delight is another one of those not overnight terms. It's a cultivated overtime term. What are you doing to delight yourself in the blessings of God? But also, at the end of the day, remember that God just wants to hear from you. 
God just wants you to talk. Talk to him. Talk at him. Ask questions. He can handle it. The Psalms remind us of that, if nothing else. Ask, and it will be given. And he uses then a, a very human illustration to drive home the point. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? Over two, right? If you then, <clears throat> though you are evil, like, man, again, like passive-aggressive Jesus. I love passive-aggressive Jesus, but just like slides in, though you are evil, rough. If then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And I hope in this context, you hear the weight of the last two weeks begin to come like a flood. Blessed are, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are the Beatitudes. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Give us this day our daily bread. God, so many of us approach the Christian life as if God is calling us to some like shriveled, mousy like existence before him. But it's like a full life of blessing that God, that Jesus is talking about time and time and time again. This is what is on offer for you and me. Let's just go walk into it. Don't shrink back from the blessing of God. How much more does God want to bless you than you want to bless others? You have, you and I have no, we have no human scale for the amount that God wants to do in our lives. There's no way to quantify it on a human level. But we leave it there sometimes. Why? Because we don't ask, we don't seek, we don't knock. Do all three. Be relentless. Be relentless. And then, as good of a summary verse for this whole passage as anything, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the Law and the Prophets. <laughs> do to others what you would have them do to you, because someday this will be called the golden rule. No, because this sums up the law and the prophets. Jesus says here and in a couple of other places, uh, like this sums up the law and the prophets. Like, it, this is the hermeneutical key. This is the interpretive key for us reading the rest of Scripture. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. If you can read a passage of Scripture and come to some other conclusion, then this is calling me to give my life to other people. We're doing it wrong. This is the key to interpreting everything else. If there's something that doesn't quite seem clear, come back to this key. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. Or as Jesus says in another place, love God, love neighbor. That's the other metric. Very similar, right? If we're interpreting our Bibles in a way that fosters that judgmental attitude or something other than deference towards others, then we're doing it wrong. We're doing it wrong. This is the heart of Jesus. For our lives, for how we read our Bibles, for all things. Discernment in posture towards others. Discernment in prayer. Discernment, <clears throat> discernment for the journey along the way. 
narrow and wide gates, this section is called. Enter through the narrow gates. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Uh, Wendell Berry, uh, author of Wendell Berry, uh, writes about, uh, I kind of wonder if this is, uh, this passage is the impetus for it. It might, it might be, it might not be. He, he writes about the distinction between the path and the road. And the road, in his estimation, is this thing that imposes on the environment that uh, is big, makes, makes fast travel easier, but ultimately disconnects us. Um, it, yeah, and is harmful to like, the surrounding like, habitat for it. It makes way, but not in a, in a helpful way. Everybody can use it to get from point A to point B. That's the road versus the path, which is this like individual meandering through life. It's most of what life is, right? An individual just wandering. Not, not high impact on the environment, because we, we might, there might be some bushwhacking along the way, but it's mostly just like a hike over over terrain that is some days suitable, some days not suitable. But the thing about the path is that it's unique to you. It's unique to me. Nobody else can tell you where to go on the path. When you go on the road, the road is telling you where to go. When it comes to the path, there's a uniqueness. There's an individuality about it. I want you to take a moment and, and just look around the room. Look at the, look at the folks that you're sitting here with. Yeah? Yeah? A generally happy bunch after Oregon took down Utah last night. We're good. Yeah, happy. That's good. Yeah. They did better. To, yeah, that was that's good. You cannot do the Sermon on the Mount without the people around you. You can't do it. Sermon on the Mount, teachings of Jesus, the whole of the Christian life is not meant to be on an island. It's just not the way... It goes. It has to be lived out in community. You can't foster a non-judgmental attitude towards others without the others, right? You have to, we have to do this in community. We have to do this with one another. There is the communal element. And yet, at the same time, I, I want you to look at one another again. Look again. Just, yeah, still there. Good. Awesome. We like it. There is not a single person here today that has the same path as you, who got here the same way that you did. There is a distinct and beautiful individuality to your story. That's what makes a community a community, right? Own the path that is before you. Walk it faithfully. Don't get stuck. Don't, don't waste your time looking for the road the way everybody else has done it. You want to know a big lie? A big lie that we tell ourselves is everybody else has done it this way. No. There may be like a general like, yeah, they've, done, they've gone along, but no. There is something beautiful and distinct about the path that God has you 
on. It's, it's not for anybody else. It is for everybody else. Your path is meant to be a blessing to others, for sure. But your path is your path. Embrace the communal element of the life of faith, but embrace the individuality of who Jesus is calling you to be. You're an individual made in the image of God, irreplaceable. Craftsmanship of Jesus. It's, this is Robert Frost, right? Two paths diverged in a wood. I took the road less traveled. And what? That has made all the difference. That is taking the narrow gate. It takes more work. It takes more time. It's scarier. It's fraught with all kinds of everything. But it is the good and right way of following Jesus. Take the narrow gate. Discernment in posture towards others, in prayer, and discernment for the journey along the way. And next, discernment in the voices we listen to. And oh boy, do we need to hear this one. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit you will recognize them. I was reminded this, this week, reading through this passage, of how this verse, this passage gets so badly abused. <clears throat> in particular, in, in bigger church and ministry contexts, where perhaps a decision or a, an aspect of leadership is called into question by others, and the leadership can, can push aside any of those questions by just saying, oh, look how the thing is growing. Look at the numbers. A good tree bears good fruit. What a bad way to read this passage. To impose our like modern Western ideas of success and progress on what Jesus is trying to say here is to completely miss the point. We have to be so, so careful who we are listening to, especially in today's day and age, where we are, if we're being honest, we are very much at the risk of being more discipled by our, our cable news and by our social media feeds than we are by Jesus where we're listening to other voices. Maybe, maybe we come on Sundays, maybe we come every once in a while, maybe we read our Bible a little bit, but the vast majority of the input in our lives, the things that is forming the way that we think and the way that, the way that our hearts are developing, the vast majority of that input is something other than that, something other than Jesus. We are being discipled by 
something that wants to push us in the opposite direction. If cable news is the is like the primary thing for you, you have to know you have to know at some point that cable news is there to like feed off your fears and stoke your fears, make you afraid of something, to find the sm- smallest little thing that you're like a little bit concerned about and then they bring that up and they're like, "Oh yeah, I knew that was a thing." Cable news is there to like make you more afraid than you already are. You know what Jesus says to that? Perfect love casts out fear. If cable news stokes it, I, I would vote like more Jesus, less news. Right? And here's why this is important. I would venture to say that our ability to do the first section, verses 1 through 5, to grow in our posture towards others, it is going to be very, very difficult to do that, to grow adequately in that area, as long as we are listening to voices that are trying to tear us apart. If we primarily listen to voices that encourage us to view the other side of whatever, left, right, whatever you want it to be, Lakers fans, whatever, If we're primarily listening to voices that that make us want to vilify the other side, how are we ever going to grow in that ability to to soften towards others? We need to take seriously Jesus' command to get the false prophets out of our lives. Get them out of your podcast feed. A good metric for for figuring out if you've given into if we've given into listening to false prophets is <clears throat> to just take one particular figure in your life and ask when's the last time that person said something that I disagreed with, or when's the last time that person said something that challenged me or pushed me. If all that person has ever done is like stoke your passion in a particular direction, made you think more in the same direction that you already want to think, it's not bad to to follow people that that we have an affinity for. Like that's that's a a good thing. But if you don't ever disagree, then then we, we've been duped to some extent. We're just little pawns. Who are we being discipled by? What voices are we being discipled by? Are, are the voices that we let into our lives pushing us towards a healthy posture towards others or an unhealthy posture? Discernment, then, in our motives. Verse 21, not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy that in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Now, it's important to understand properly what's going on here. God's not trying at any point to like trick us. Right? God's not saying, like, follow me in obedience and you might or might not get it right. 
No. The, the issue here is one of the heart, one of motives. Do not ever use Jesus for your own means. That's what Jesus is warning against here. Don't use the gospel as a way to, sub, as a way to supplant others. Don't ever use it as a means of gain in your life. Don't use it as an excuse to not engage faithfully in the society around you. Don't use Jesus for your own personal means. Follow Jesus directly into whatever it is he has for you right in the moment. We can, we can slap the label of Jesus on a whole lot of things that are not very Jesus-y. That's what he's warning about here. You can use the label, but have you missed the rest of the heart of what he's calling you to? And finally, discernment in daily calling. This is another illustration here to kind of close out this, this sermon. It's a familiar one. Verse 24, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. Sounds like our John Stott quote from the, from the very first week, right? Hears them and then puts them into practice. It's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man, built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, and they beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. The same conditions happened to both Right? Daily like faithfulness, the clunky faithfulness, we talked about it last week, before Jesus, um, it's not for the purpose of keeping us from trials. It's to keep us sturdy in the midst of them. We are not immune to life's up and downs the more that we walk with Jesus. Actually, we might be more attuned to them the more that we walk with Jesus. There are rains coming. There are storms coming. Have, have you built your life on a thing that can withstand that? In the midst of trial... Who do you go to? Where do you go to? Do you find yourself scrambling or do you find yourself secure? The same conditions happen to the faithful and the unfaithful. The only difference is the way that we weather the storm along the way. The rains are coming. We, we know this. It's almost December. It's been remarkably sunny lately, but the rains are coming, right? The rains are coming, and then it will stop in like nine months. 
the rain, the rains are coming. And we like, we like our flotation device world, right? We like our quick fixes. We like our how do we get through this day sort of approach to life. But Jesus is saying there's a better way. There is a house on the rock kind of life for you. And it's what is laid out here in the Sermon on the Mount. And the people recognize that too, because here's, here's Matthew's summary of the response. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at, its teach, at his teaching. Not because he said everything that they already agreed with. Not because it felt fun to hear Jesus talk, but because what? Because he talked as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law. Like kind of a dig there at the, the teachers of the law. Jesus was compelling not because he said all the stuff that was fun to hear, but because he said the stuff that was important to hear. He invited his people into a life of fullness and richness and blessing before him. The path to that life, not easy, but good and true and important. That is the way of the house on the rock. I want to go back to that John Stock quote that we, that we started with at the beginning of our first day, Matthew 5. Uh, John Stott says, The Sermon on the Mount is probably the best known part of the teaching of Jesus. Probably the best known. And we just got to know it a little bit better. So, okay, we're in that camp. Um, though arguably it is the least understood. Hopefully we're like a little bit above least understood now, right? Maybe we understand it a little bit better. We went fast and we did big picture to try to get a sense of the overall arch of what Jesus is saying here. Still a whole lot of details to, to fill in. Maybe another time. Arguably it is the least understood and certainly it is the least obeyed. And so now as we come to the end of this series, we, we get an opportunity to do what Jesus says right here in verse 24. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, who knows them, understands them, and then obeys them, who then goes and puts them into practice. That is now the invitation. I, just, I want to say, Matthew 5 through 7, there's so much stuff there. So, much, so many different things to keep straight. So many things that we could be working on. And I, to that point, I just want to say, let's learn to live in the tension. Most of a faithful life is learning to live in tensions between difficult things, right? Here's, a, here's an important tension for us to get. The tension between our earnest desire, our full life commitment to, yes, Jesus, I believe these things. I want to make my life about that. Let's learn to live in the tension of that commitment and then our sort of faulty ability to follow through with that commitment, right? There could be a way of reading the Sermon on the Mount and walking away and feeling completely overwhelmed. I could never do that. And to that, I want to say, that's not true. You can. Jesus is inviting you to a life of doing that. But at the same time, you're right. You can't. 
Let's learn to live in that, to give our lives fully to, I want the upside down way of Jesus. I want the inside out way that God is calling me to. I want that to mark my life. I want to be a house on the rock kind of person who's deferential to others, not judgmental. One who brings requests before God. I I want to be that person. God, help me to be that person. Learn, Learn to give yourself a break when it's one of those days where it's just like, ah, the wheels seem to have fallen off by 9 a.m. That's okay. Our success, our ability to live out perfectly the Sermon on the Mount is not at all the metric that God is using to judge us. Jesus is happy with you here this morning. He's not disappointed with how you did this week. He's happy with you. He's glad you're here. He's glad you care. He's glad you care. He's glad you want to wrestle with that commitment and that obedience and disobedience. "Ah, I just want to. Jesus isn't there in the midst of that saying, yeah, okay. But let that acceptance from Jesus push you into another like, step of obedience. Not a place of complacency, but a place of, okay, let's, let's do this. Last week we talked about spiritual disciplines, and one of the things I didn't bring up is that there's this concept in spiritual disciplines of upstream and downstream disciplines. Upstream disciplines are like, that goes against the grain of my personality. I am not naturally wired to do X, Y, and Z. Maybe you're like a a highly extroverted person, and the idea of the the discipline of solitude for you is like, ah, I mean, I could I could do solitude, but can I be with other people while I do it? Like that's 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 gonna be an upstream discipline for you. We've all got those things. We've all got downstream disciplines as well. Things that we are naturally good at, and I think that. As we come to our final questions here, I would hope that the Sermon on the Mount showed you something that you're doing well. There's some, there's some areas of this that you're, that you're knocking out of the park, that you're good with. And so I, I want you to, to think about, oh, what are those things? What are the things that you've been encouraged by? Like, oh, Jesus is calling me to this. This is something I'm doing well. I want to grow in that area. What's that thing? And then on the other side... What's something that's been exposed? There are areas of growth for each of us. So many areas of growth. The point of the Sermon on the Mount is not to overwhelm us with all of the areas all at, all at once, but to help us daily. Give us this day our daily bread. What's the thing? What's the thing in this season between here and Thanksgiving, between Thanksgiving and Christmas? What's the thing that Jesus wants to do in your heart? What's the part of your heart that needs to be just a little bit more formed in his way, not yours? What is that thing? I encourage you as as you go from here today and as we walk away from this series to not walk away from the Sermon on the Mount, 
to, to spend some time maybe reading it on your own. If you've got a small group, maybe read it out loud together. Maybe re- read it all together, all at once. Just to, to hear those words, to be reminded, to be comforted and confronted at the same time. Let's learn to walk in the way of blessing that Jesus is inviting us to, okay? Uh, band, why don't we come up? Do a little more music. Again, as, uh, as we've done at the end of each service, if, if you want to pray with somebody, um, there will be a few folks up here. If there's just something that you feel God is specifically calling you to, maybe it's a, an, a downstream thing that you're doing well that you just want to praise God for, hey, that's a victory. Maybe it's an upstream thing where it's just like, mm, let's, let's get to work. Let's do that. Whatever it may be, there'll be somebody here to pray with you. Uh, let's pray together. Uh, Jesus, thanks for um, comforting us where we need it and pushing us where we need it as well. Help us to be receptive of both. Um, help us to learn to live in your love in a faithful and righteous way. Um, and to be pushed towards uh, a house on a rock that is secure for ourselves, for those around us. Thank you that you walk with us on the days that our commitment leads to obedience and the days that it just falls apart so fast. Thanks for being there with all of us through every moment. In Jesus' name, amen.